Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So, Squirrel, I was thinking today about our last podcast. And in particular, we were talking about how you get innovation on the top of commoditization. And I was thinking about the challenges people faced in actually trying to, to innovate. I, and I've come across lots of leaders who are trying to get innovation, but they, they just can't get it. And they're not sure why. And in particular, they're not sure how they're contributing to it. And I, I have a theory that often they're contributing to it. And when I mentioned this to you today, you had something I really liked. You talked about a leader you were working with who had a document and you were telling the person who was a recipient said, ignore the words, focus on the tune. And I, and I, I love that. Can you explain what you mean by that? What do you mean by focusing on the tune on the message from a leader? Absolutely. Well, the uh, key thing to note here is given where you're starting here, you're you're pointing out to our listeners that they might be encountering this. They might be on either side of it where there's there's supposed to be some innovation, but it doesn't seem to be happening either because they're not sure how to do it or whether to believe in it or they're the leader and they're saying, uh, uh, the leader is saying, why isn't innovation happening? So I'm going to give an example of the positive and then we'll talk about what goes wrong in the negative. Uh, so the positive here is um, uh, I am coaching and working with a, a leader who has just taken over her business. So her business is now hers. Uh, she's she's now the, the, the head honcho. And uh, as part of that, she immediately changed uh, a huge number of things, uh, many of which she knows nothing about. So she uh, she's not a technical leader, and she uh, directed the technology staff to do certain things differently. She uh, ended certain sales initiatives that were underway. Uh, she uh, changed uh, which customers were getting account management. She, she made changes in every single direction. And uh, I'm also working with some of the people who work for her. And uh, they were understandably confused. They said, what the heck is this? We got her and suddenly everything's different. And I said, uh, and, and we should link to this in the show notes. There's a, a great article by Horowitz, I think it is, on wartime CEO and peacetime CEO. And I said, this is a wartime CEO. You're in wartime here. The bombs have started dropping. And they said, what does that mean, Squirrel? And I said, well, what you need to do is, is listen to the tune of what she's asking you to do. She's communicating in a very effective way. I really praised her for doing this. What uh, the, the, the feeling should be of the company, which is completely different. What we've been doing isn't working. We're going to completely stop that and we're going to do something new. The words that she says, the details of the uh, of the message are almost certainly wrong. And what you need to do is respond to the situation on the ground that you know much more in detail with the tune that she's singing with uh, with something that, that harmonizes well. So uh, the analogy I made uh, for the person who was asking me, her, her subordinate who, who wanted to know about this was to uh, our friend, Mr. Zelensky, Zelensky, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, in Ukraine. There was some moment, he had a lot of chance to prepare more than, than these folks did, but um, there was some moment at which bombs started dropping, and he gave some orders, I'm sure, and he pointed to a map and said, go over there. And the people on the ground got there, and they discovered that wherever there was, was swarming with the enemy, so they went somewhere else. But what they did do was sit in the bunker. <laughs> they got out, and they started taking action. And that's the, sort, that's the positive side. That's, that's a really effective way, very painful no, no fun at all uh, for the people involved to suddenly make these huge shifts. Some people may not continue to work at the company. Some people may be 
uh, ill fitted to it and and quit that that's perfectly fine well it's not fine but it's 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 um part of what the company needs it's the ripping off of the bandage that the company needs in order to make significant progress that's the effective way that's where you do get innovation from the people who who manage to to make the switch but you communicate in a great hurry and very effectively that they need to do something very different and they can't be sitting in the bunker. That's the positive side. We can talk about the negative side too. Well, I want to, I, before we do, I want to unpack part of what makes this positive. Cause I think there's some things about it that are unintuitive to people. And in particular, what you just started by saying, Oh, she had these um, different messages direction and you know, all different directions. And I think that is, is, you probably meant to like all different departments, Oh yeah. but probably the people, way people feel is like, I mean, asked to go in all kinds of different directions. Oh, like, this absolutely. is impossible. Yes. And, and, and mutually inconsistent <laughs> to be very clear. She gave mutually inconsistent directions. So she would tell the salespeople to sell something that the product people were going to stop building, for example. And that was good. And boy, <laughs> is that counterintuitive. <laughs> well, and and I think in terms of why this might be good and why this might be hard is I'm going to go back to what uh, part of what we talked about last time in wordly mapping and this model of how things move from genesis, new invention through to commodity. And in particular, the attribute that what's changing, one of the things that's changing as you go along is not only you're developing a market, but that you're becoming much more certain about what the product and offering and what the value actually is. So when we say innovate, Part of what we mean is go over to that side where things are really uncertain and things are really unclear and we don't know what's going to work. And, and if, we're, if we're going there, we're leaving a place of, of higher certainty. We're moving, in fact, we're moving from a place that the current organization was optimized to produce and we're going to somewhere else. And so by necessity- We're safe in this bunker, we, Jeffrey. It's, it's really safe here. There's big walls <laughs> and there's um, you know armor plating and stuff. It's really safe here. And, and we're really comfortable. We, we don't want to go out there where the enemy's shooting at us. It, yes. So, so exactly. You're in a position that's really comfortable and that you feel competent at. Like you know how to operate in this. And suddenly you're going to a place where you don't know what's going to happen. And it feels unsafe. And it feels like, you're mis like it's a mistake. You're making things worse. All the things that were yesterday's target, yesterday's goals, yesterday's virtues are now not virtues. They're now being violated. That's, that's hard to do. And, and so I think that's, that's why it can be very difficult for people to make the transition and why when you come in and have uh, the wartime CEO saying we're going to make things different, it can be the right thing to do that you are uh, going to uh, feel like things are chaotic because you are moving to a place of higher uncertainty. And then that is necessary. It's not optional. And I, I didn't elaborate on this, so I should now. Why it's good when you're making these communications to make them high-level, vague, unclear, inconsistent um, is that you are asking people to focus on the tune. The tune is everything's different. We need to look at the world differently now, and what was true yesterday isn't true anymore. So although it would be, it would be wonderful if she had infinite time, if we could use a time machine to stop time for a few weeks and she could make a perfect plan, that would be great. But we don't have that. So it's much better to fire before you aim in a situation like this. And she's communicating that very well by doing it and modeling it herself. And I think that's part of it is if you, if, if you want to get everyone else operating in this mode. Now, I think now this ties in very well to what I was thinking previously about why leaders often fail to make this transition. Why aren't people innovating? And there's two things that I see as immediate obstacles. And, and one is 
the leaders themselves are ambivalent at best about the changes they need to make. And so they, so they, they think, yeah, I need innovation and I need everything to keep working the way it is. <laughs> so, so go change everything while changing nothing. And so they, they, they are genuinely inconsistent. And, and the people who work for them know that. They know that it's unsafe. They, know, they, they understand they're being asked to do something very different, but they know they're being judged by the standards of yesterday. And so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rare person who will <laughs> go ahead and take that uh, the command literally, knowing that they're going to be judged uh, negatively for the inevitable consequences of leaving certainty and going towards uncertainty. And not uncommonly, the leader, him or herself, is ambivalent. One of the things that's great about this person that I was uh, working with earlier today is she's not ambivalent. She's very clear that she's going to need to field some calls from angry customers, that she's going to lose revenue, that she's going to have to manage her board. Those are all very clear to her, and she's communicating that well. Much more frequently, the leader, him or herself, is ambivalent and says, well, yeah, I'd really like this nice innovation stuff, but I don't want the pain that comes with it. And what happens is they end up punishing <laughs> the first mover. The yes. first person tries doing something different. They punish them because it's like, and, and, they, and they say, look, well, why did you have this problem come up? And they second guess them. And of course, after the fact, you can see what was a mistake. You can look back and say, well, you know, why didn't you think through this? You didn't, you didn't give it the basic thought you should have with the benefit of hindsight. And they punish the people who were the first people who tried. And guess what? That's it. <laughs> Innovation is done. You've now trained everyone that you can't be trusted as a leader. Indeed. And one of the things that I find when I'm trying to make big changes, for example, I often help organizations to release new code every single day, elephant carpaccio in, in Alistair Coburn's terms. And when I do that, it's not that the organization, especially the engineering organization, doesn't understand what the mechanics are of doing that. That's commoditized. Everybody knows how to do that today. The problem is nobody believes that the business actually wants the frequency of change that they claim they do. And so right. the biggest problem is communicating very clearly. We expect this to annoy some customers. We expect this to cause disruption. We're ready with more customer service folks to answer calls. We're expecting to have product failures. That's a good thing so that we learn quickly from them. You have to get those messages across frequently and often and with the right tune so everybody listens and says, okay, now I actually am ready for this change. Yes. And, and, I, and I think this is where leaders then who really mean it need to, to be aware of the obstacles because even if they're completely on board, they have to understand the fears of the people who maybe have been burned before by other leaders. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really mean it last time, and they can't mean it this time. Exactly. Yeah, you're, you know, fool me once. <laughs> I'm not going to make that mistake again. I saw what happened at another place. You know, I, I'm just going to wait until it's safe. And what you need to do is find those first movers and reward them and be very explicit about what, what you're re, uh, rewarding, which is people taking risks, people taking chances. And, and, of course, you want to recognize success, but you also want to recognize people who are making good attempts, even if they don't work out, because that's, that's what happiness is this area of high uncertainty, uh, uh, high risk, is that things are not always going to work. And, and often the, the goal is to let's churn through and learn from experience and get better over time rather than thinking we're going to get right the first time. Are you really supporting that? Are you really messaging that? Are you really living that? And being clear to people why this is a necessity, why just waiting in our bunker, why just, you know, staying with a status quo is not a viable option for us.
So that's the challenge for leaders. This makes sense. And one thing I often tell people, and this is a, a bit of language that I found very helpful in these kinds of situations, I tell people never to talk about a failure. You talk about an experiment that had a, neg a successful experiment <laughs> that had a negative result. And so if yes. you're thinking about experiments and um, uh, learning and improvement and being curious rather than preserving revenue and um, uh, keeping the status quo, then you're really uh, creating an innovation framework. That's the kind of tune that uh, your, uh, your staff, that you and uh, your board should be hearing if you want to create that kind of innovation. All right. If listeners are encountering this kind of thing, if you're if you're finding that innovation is hard to get done, if you're finding you don't really believe in innovation, whichever side you're on, whether you're the manager singing the tune or you're the uh, person in the team finding that the, the tune is hard to understand, uh, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to hear your challenges and disagreements and what you think about it. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us on today's topic or anything else, go to agileconversations.com where you will find uh, free videos and our book and of other stuff that uh, you can enjoy and uh, of course also our email and our twitter and probably 10 other ways to get in touch with us i'm not sure if we have carrier pigeon yet but we'll, we'll be working on that <laughs> and of course the other way to keep in touch with us is to come back next wednesday when we'll have another edition of troubleshooting agile thanks jeffrey thanks girl.